Hey, Emily. Hey, Greg. Welcome back to ESPN on Ice, the podcast where all of Twitter had clamored in our mentions to ask when it was coming back. We did not delay the podcast for your validation that you love us, but it was a very nice perk. It certainly was, and we're glad to be back. Um, Emily and I, of course, have unparalleled chemistry on podcasts, uh, the best transitions in the game, probably some video work coming your way this season, too, because they, they realize what gold they have, not only in the magic that we make on the podcast, but obviously with the single best promo image of any ESPN podcast, two seasons running now. Three seasons running now. To quote another hockey podcast, not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Another. Okay, we many. haven't gotten to the point where we have our own like adult beverages named after us and marketed. No, but I mean, you know, we'll get there. I hope it's, it's not a hard seltzer. I heard it's. Some, I hope it's something that's like a little more cutting edge. Did you have a white claw summer? No, I'm a truly girl. You're welcome, NHL. That's right. The official hard seltzer of the NHL. To go I along stand with for them beforehand, and I stand for them in spite of their partnership. What is what is the difference in your mind between Truly and White Claw? Or are you just being hipster about it? No, 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 no. I did a blind taste test. And firstly, like, Truly was on the scene first for me. <laughs> but I did do a blind taste test this summer. And I find Truly to be far less sweet. <laughs> blind taste test. The Pepsi challenge yeah. for hard seltzers. I dig it. It all um, happened. Red Solo yeah. Cups, my apartment, me. Well, there you go. A, t- a typical Friday night if there ever was one. What was your favorite hockey thing that happened this summer since we last podcasted? I'll tell you what it was. Um, I've often considered myself, because I'm a humble person, the forest gump of journalism. Wherever I go, crazy things happen. Mm. And this summer was no different because the NHL decided to have labor peace. Uh, so that was that was a forest gump moment for me. CBA talks are like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you um, always usually know what you're going to get. but Yeah, typically do. Um, I, for me, it was definitely everything Mitch Marner related. The <laughs> fact that the Leafs... Uh, Will was broken by uh, Mitch and his father uh, negotiating through the media, pointing at Austin Matthews' contract and saying, I want that instead of uh, any comparable players throughout the league. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you could look at the Matthews contract and the Tavares contract and say, OK, you, you've, you've set the salary structure as it is and Marner's going to get whatever he gets. Uh, but the mental... Uh, anguish that this put Leafs fans through to the point where now they are using their graphing calculators to figure out what percentage of every subsequent restricted free agent contract is of the Marner cap hit. Pretty staggering to see. I, I will talk about the Leafs in a bit with regard to what I think they'll, they'll do this season, but I will say this just on the out, onset. I really hope they win because if they don't win and they spend this much money and, uh, and the contracts are what they are on that roster, and they got to hit basically the reset button every year to figure out how to color around the lines, considering how much money they have committed to three guys. I mean, there's two paths here, Emily. One leads yeah. to a Stanley Cup, and one leads to yet another era of disaster for that franchise. And I hope that they take the right path. This personally. seems like the antithesis of everything I know about you. You usually root for... Uh, calamity and dysfunction and mm-hmm. blowing things up, but I love to hear no. it. It's a new season, new us, bigger, well, yeah. better, different. And, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, it does help when the president of the organization, uh, is a friend in Brandon Shanahan. Oh. When the general manager of the team is not only analytics forward, but also a professional wrestling fan. And when I know at the end of the day, uh, it could potentially be an American that leads Toronto to a championship, which has always been my, 
my favorite thing about that scenario. But that's neither here nor there. All right, coming up on the show, we've got our previews of the Eastern and Western Conferences. Emily and I will formally make our playoff picks, cement them, put them down in ink, as opposed to just fiddling around They're on Twitter or whatever. Google Docs for me, which feels like an appropriate place for them to be. We're also going to talk to Taylor Hall of the Devils, and we're going to talk to Henrik Lundqvist of the New York Hockey Rangers. All that and more on this edition of ESPN and Ice. Let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey, featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on Ice with Wachinski and Kaplan. It's ESPN on Ice, the podcast where ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, talks about hockey. I'm Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer. I'm Emily Kaplan, national NHL reporter. Indeed you are. Uh, as we start the show, we should probably mention news breaking, as it usually does, right before we hop on the air. Evander Kane, a three-game automatic suspension from the NHL for uh, slapping uh, a linesman with a stick during an altercation on Sunday with uh, Derek Engelin of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, this was an automatic suspension, a Category 3 offense. Could have been a 10-gamer if the NHL decided that it wasn't done to gain separation with the official in a, in a scrum. Mm-hmm. As we do the show, we can still appeal. The appeal goes to Gary Bettman. Good luck with that. But the interesting thing from this, Emily, was the fact that Evander Kane kind of went off after the game about getting tackled by the referee, calling the play an absolute joke, and then inferring that the NHL officials have a double standard for him and kind of kind of indicating that maybe they're uh, they're out to get him. This you know, seems- when it's fu- it's funny if you look at at the way I get treated out there when it comes to the scrums or when the other team is trying to do something to me, there's a massive difference compared to everyone else in the league. Keep in mind Evander Kane had uh, three game misconducts last season tied for the league lead. This seems to me like something they're going to have to give him a call about. And it's like, hey, Evander, you got these uh, grievances. You got to come to us. You can't come to the media. And I, I feel like he's going to get a talking to uh, by the Department of Player Safety and just saying, look, the line is open. Come talk to us. But we shall see. And I would respond by saying, please, Evander Kane, keep coming to the media. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's no, 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 no. Fantastic I'm, I'm coffee. I'm advocating for this. Uh, I advocate always... for him. He of ESPN <laughs> the body issue fame. That's right. ESPN The Body's Issues owned Vander Kane. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. I didn't. And you know who didn't else? The rest of the NHL, because many guys have brought it up to me as I've gone to locker rooms this summer. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the questions I ask in my um, great anonymous player poll, and actually this one I think is, is not anonymous, but I ask, no, this one's an anonymous. How comfortable would you feel appearing in a national ad campaign for like Gatorade or Nike? Oh. Or do you feel like it would be a distraction for your team? And I know for sure, too, I want to say three different guys in their answer to me brought up like, well, you know what I would never do is what Vander Kane did this summer. Like, never <laughs> In the overall, I mean, we, we have to bid adieu to ESPN the magazine uh, because it is, of course, uh, as everybody knows, not going to be in publication for much longer. The body issue has a very good hockey lineage um everybody remembers the joe thornton and brent burns uh photo shoot in which they were uh in the buff uh outside of their zz top beards and then also my favorite one way early ryan kessler appeared in the body issue if you've not seen these photos please do google them on a not work computer 
Um, there was one where he was like naked and it looked like he was pushing a boulder, um, which was a whole thing. You know what? ESPN The Body Issue, the rare publication that doesn't have an East Coast bias, all West Coast players. But you know what? We're a podcast with an East Coast bias. And when we begin our uh, player pr- our season preview, should we start with the East, Greg? I've just totally transitioned here. I'm done talking about the body issue. I want to go and play arts. All right. Previews. So let's get season. let's go. get um, let's get naked and honest about the Eastern Conference, Atlantic Division. Let's start with the ones that we're pretty sure aren't going to be factors. Uh, the Ottawa Senators are going to stink. It's just a matter of how much they're going to stink. They could be a, a, a pesky competitive team depending on Coach DJ Smith. Um, I don't think that their goaltending is going to be all that good. I do like what they've done to secure some of their players on long-term contracts, by the way. I should probably give a shout-out to Pierre Dorian about that. Um, I don't know what they're putting in the, the water there to convince those guys to stay in Ottawa for as long as they are or that they're ever going to get their money. Um, but the Senators are probably going to finish last in that division. Would you agree? Uh, I do agree. And, you know, I, I look at that top line, and, and I, I just, unfortunately, as there are some st- – Budding stars like Kachuk is a Brady Kachuk is going to be a great player in this league. Oh yeah, some of their production I believe is going to dip because they're not playing with Mark Stone for more than half the season. He definitely helped them out. Um, you know, I just before we begin this entire preview, there was a conversation I had with a coach on my training camp tour, and I just keep coming back to it. And he's like, I could name four teams that have zero chance this year, but after that, everyone's in it. And that's what feels different this year. And when yeah. I think of those four teams. Two of them are in this Atlantic division and two are in the Pacific. And the <laughs> two in the Atlantic division are clearly the Ottawa Senators. And I think it's going to be the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. And the Red Wings are interesting. I was uh, doing some daily wager stuff and the Red Wings uh, point total this year. If you take a look at the Caesar sports book, uh, I think it's like 78.5. Hmm. And I'm saying to myself, first of all, that would infer a, a three win improvement off of last year, which I don't think is necessarily in the cards. I also think that, you know, when you look at the, at the Red Wings and, and the, their potential this season, you have to say, you know, Steve Eiserman's been on the record saying, we gotta build through the draft. The, the better you do in the draft, the better it's gonna be for your team. I don't think there's really any reason for Detroit to be any good this year. Um, okay, so here's my counter, cause I went to Detroit for a couple of days and I saw their preseason, I saw their training camp and I had been to a couple training camps that week alone. And I was shocked by the intensity of it. It was one of the most intense training camp practices. And I saw a couple of them. And I asked guys, I'm like, is this different? And I think Jimmy Howard said, the only time I've ever seen this was our first year under Babs. And I asked Eiserman, I was like, is this a you thing? Is this, you know, it's the same coach. And he's like, well, you know, I I think when there's a new GM, guys are trying to go out here to prove themselves. But, you know, Nicholas Cronwell told me, we're not going to be a team that outskills anyone with the skill level that we have. But we're going to be a team, and Nicholas Cronwell, by the way, front office guy. Uh, it's kind of funny to hear, uh, that's going to outwork them. And I think they're going to be a hard work ethic team. I think they're pissed off by the la- the way the last couple seasons went. All the guys mentioned, we're the team that wins by all these one goal games and we just couldn't close it out. And I think they're going to be a hard team to play against. And I do think that they're at least going to exceed expectations, but I do not think they have a chance this year. I think the best thing for that franchise is to literally set up lawn chairs and just take it easy all year <laughs> and not even try. No, I think they're trying to establish the culture. I really being there, I I could sense it. It's it's culture intense. Culture Get it. Get a franchise. Did you say after the culture? I said culture schmulcher. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. This Same is thing. a Disney podcast, Emily. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 
I could say the I could say that on my other podcast. All right. Uh the Buffalo Sabres, I think, would be the next team to mention here. With the caveat that we really all don't know what the Ralph Kruger effect is going to be. Now, where I stand on Ralph Kruger is this. He had one great half a season. Uh not great, actually not good at all. With the Edmonton Oilers, great in the sense they left a good impression on those players. They all clamored and said, why can't this guy come back for a, little, a longer tour? And then they're like, nah, forget it. This guy, Dallas Eakins, he's the future. And then he got fired like a hundred and some odd games later. Then Ralph Kruger coached Team Europe, which had the distinction of being one of only two teams that actually cared in the World Cup. Uh, so he coached them to the final where they got whacked by Canada. The rest of the time he's been the chairman of a uh, football club over in the UK, and now he's back coaching hockey, and I don't know what to make of it. Maybe he's a guy that works miracles with what I think is a very thin roster, a better on the back end roster than they were last year, but up front, I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again, the the the, the barren uh, harvest that was the Ryan O'Reilly trade to the point where Tage Thompson is like being sent to the minors uh, – it's just so stark when you look at the Sabres roster and lack of depth at it up, up, up depth on it up front. Uh, I think they're probably better than the Red Wings and better than the Senators, and maybe could be even better if Ralph Kruger is the real deal. Well, I'll tell you this: the you know people around the league have said he's already made a huge impression on the guys. You know, when he's come, started to meet with these players, they've been very impressed with him, and I think there is going to be a buy-in. It's a very big year for GM Jason Botterill. You know, I think he's kind of at a crossroads here as a GM. I think he's made some sneaky good moves, though. Obviously, the Ryan O'Reilly thing, we look at his big black eye, but getting a guy like Jimmy Vc to you know up that secondary scoring like that could be a good move. Rosmus Ristolainen is a player that's probably going to get moved. He's clearly unhappy with his role. He's been mentioned on the trading block for some time. It's it's going to be an interesting year. I, I agree. I think that this is a roster where there's just so much disparity between, look, you've got a great, terrific building piece in Jack Eichel, and you've got his new wingman and Jeff Skinner, and then there's just a huge drop-off in talent. And another big issue for them, and before we move on from them, is goaltending. And they just don't have good goaltending. They're biding their time with Hutton until they can get their prospects up and ready in the NHL. And, um, you know, you can't win without solid goaltending. The one thing I'll say about the goaltending is that because um, Tom Dundon can be thrifty, uh, Mike Bales, the goaltending coach for the Carolina yeah. Hurricanes, is now the goaltending coach for the That's Buffalo a great Sabres. point. And uh, that's a, that's an interesting development with regard to uh, Carter Hutton um, and Linus Hallmark and, and what we might be able to expect from them this year. So that's something to keep an eye on because Lord knows he worked some miracles <laughs> in Carolina last year. All right, let's skip to the top. Lightning, Bruins, Leafs. Do you see any of them falling out of the top three? No, and this is funny that we just kind of feel like we graze over the Florida Panthers because they're the forgotten guys. In the well, Midwest. I want to get to them. I okay. want to get to them in a second, but I'm just saying, of the top three, do any of them fall out? No, I, I think barring any catastrophic injury or something like that, these are the cream of the crop. These okay. are deep teams or talented teams. I'm going Toronto, Tampa, Boston. Okay. Toronto because That's... they improved their blue line? Toronto because if everything goes the way I hope it goes... I can't have him play in Boston in the first round. <laughs> I need someone. I need someone to help me out here and clear the road a little bit of the Boston Bruins if the Leafs do what I may or may not intend them to do this season. So Leafies, Lightning, Bruins in that order for the top three in the Atlantic. And you know who's my Vesna pick this year? Who's that? Freddie Anderson. 
You know, I think I think I picked that too. And no. uh I think at some point people are gonna wake up to the shot volume and with how he plays. And if the if the Leafs do actually like win the division, there's a good chance that people are just gonna be like, Oh, yeah. It, Freddie's Freddie's the reason. Um Let's talk about right, the cats. So, so let's okay, so so Habs and Cats are the other two between sandwiched between the Dregs, and I don't mean Darren Drager, and the top teams in that division. Who will be the better team this year? The Canadians who had ninety six points last year, or the Florida Panthers who had eighty six but added Bobrovsky and Joel Quenville? It just feels like there's something weird brewing in Montreal. Like I know you mentioned like Duran is probably going to get traded because when there's smoke there's fire. Uh you know, there, there feels like there's something there. It just I, I can't believe in them quite yet. And I, I look at this Panthers team and there's so much hope and expectations and they remind me a lot of the Arizona Coyotes. We're like, we're sick and tired of just knocking on the door being everyone's favorite sleeper team. Like, let us actually break through. And I do think a lot of guys are going to respond very well to Joel Quenville coaching them. I do. So, you know, I, I think Bobrovsky can say what you want about the length of his contract. He's a very good goalie right now, and he will be a very good goalie for this team this year. And I like him. I got to pick him um, to finish ahead of Montreal. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I like Montreal a lot. Like, I think a lot of the good young players they have are on the cusp of, of pretty good things, um, although I think a few of them probably need another year of seasoning. That's probably what's keeping me from from picking them is the idea that maybe that youth movement will be ready to roll next year in a big way versus this year. While the Panthers obviously have two lines of guys you can pencil in for for the stats that they usually put up. Uh, the real question is Bob. Bob in a new place where the defense isn't necessarily as good as it was in Columbus. Um, Bob in a place where he is now fat and happy with a gigantic contract. They gave up 280 goals last year. What does that number look like at the end of the year with Sergei Bobrovsky playing between 55 and 60 games? I think it looks a lot better. I think it looks good enough where they're going to finish ahead of Montreal and probably push for a wild card spot. But I'm not going into this thinking Joel Quenville is going to work miracles. And I'm not going into this thing thinking that the Panthers are a guarantee to make it. Because if you look at their history, Emily, it's not as if they make the playoffs a lot. And uh, uh, right now they're plus 170 to miss the playoffs. I think that's an interesting proposition if you were looking for a way to make some dough and you weren't a, you weren't a believer necessarily in the Panthers. Um, but I'll, I'll put them in. I, I think they get over the hump. All right. Shall we move on to the Metro? Sure. This one, in both divisions, I feel like one is kind of a cluster where it's going to be a grinder and one is very clear cut of the elite and the, the dregs, as you would say. And mm-hmm. The Metro is a grinder to me. Any any of these teams could feasibly make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Who do you right. write up? I, I the think, Blue Jackets? I think, I think the bottom two are probably the Rangers and the Blue Jackets. Um, the Blue Jackets, by virtue of now having some real question marks about their goaltending with Bob in Florida. Uh, and while I, I do think that the chip-on-your-shoulder, prove-them-all-wrong thing can be a very powerful force a force that, let's be honest, moved the Islanders to 103 points last year. I do wonder at the end of the day if that is counterbalanced by having lost Artemi Panarin off their top line, which is a a huge offensive force that cannot be replaced in that lineup. And uh, and they're going to miss him. I think they're going to miss him maybe even more than Bob, to be quite honest with you. So... I'll, I'll say Blue Jackets, Rangers, both, both bottom of the division. Rangers, obviously, probably 
uh, one more year before the the big turnaround happens. Um, but what do you think? Yeah, um, I I believe in the us against the world narrative, and I I, I think it can <laughs> sustain. I, I am concerned about the goaltending, but I do feel like they have enough of a core there that it really wasn't like that meme that we see on Twitter all the time with uh, Will Smith from what was it? From Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air standing in the empty room. Like, <laughs> they've got a couple guys to stand in that empty room together and look around. Like, they've got Wierenski, they've got Jones, they've got Atkinson, Felino. Like, there's guys there. Um, anyway, uh, that's how I feel about them. With the, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, with the Rangers, what's it called? Who says nobody ever? Uh, with the play like a New Yorker team. Weird oh, hashtag. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Um, the play like New Yorkers, I think, will be very good. They're just a year away. Um, you know, it would have to, Every single thing would have to fall into place. All these young prospects would have to dazzle. And I just think they need a little bit more seasoning. Like you see Anderson, Leos Anderson finally make the roster. You know, Chidal's not quite there yet. He's got to, you know, work on being a center and things like that. It's just going to take another year. Play like New Yorker, by the way, was, uh, I, I got sent this. It's a, it was on Instagram. It's like a, a whole campaign. It's like New Yorkers are tough. We walk in the snow. We, you know, go shoulder to shoulder on the street with people going for the subway cars. It's really trying to tie the Rangers with the city. Um, yeah. And I just think it's dumb. <laughs> I think it's dumb because if that's your hashtag, if play like a New Yorker is your hashtag, it's like eating up half your tweet. That's the problem with it. That's not necessarily – that's like being a New Yorker is great. It's something to, it's to strive for. But at the same time, it's like, it's a hashtag that eats up half your tweet. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. How about your devs? I feel like they fall right above this, in my opinion. How dare you? All right, let's take, let's, let's take this next group here. Because I, I think the Flyers and the Devils are probably in that area of mm-hmm. what ifs, right? Um. The Flyers give me pause because I, I Elaine Vigneault tends to get a lot of um, a lot of good stuff out of his teams in year one, and uh, I do think there's a lot of talent on this roster still. Um, you know, what, they're probably going to go as far as Carter Hart takes them. So I'm not exactly um, writing off the Flyers. But I like the Devils a lot better. I here's the thing about the Devils, and and I say this as a as a fanboy. There's something to be said, Emily, for exuberance and for spirit. And you were around that team. This feels like a rebirth for the franchise. It feels like they're gonna go on the ice, they're gonna have PK Subban dancing to songs in warm-ups, they're gonna have Jack Hughes flying all over the ice, they're gonna have Taylor Hall maybe for another year. Um and it's going to be super exciting to be around that team. And I think that vibe, along with being a pretty good roster, if they get the goaltending, is going to be enough to push the Devils out of this very strange category you've placed them in in this division. This sort of like middle of the parfait that you've placed them in. I think I think they're top of the parfait. I think they're closer to the cream than they are to the bottom of the of the glass. Yeah, uh, they could. They did really good. Uh, that sounds aspirational and amazing, and I think they could. I think it's just everything falling into place for them. And, you know, they do still have a lot of ifs. Like, you get a guy like Gusev, for example, 
we know he's a KHL scoring champ, but can he translate it to the NHL? You know, we've got a guy like P.K. Subban. We know he can be a Norris-level defender, but does he still have it? And can he do it on this team that doesn't have a great blue line around him? You know, he was mm-hmm. – I, I, I hate piling on the P.K. Subban, you know, his overrated bit. But, look, he had a very good structure he played for in Nashville, and that's where he thrived. Like, he has to be the guy in yeah. Jersey. And that's a big difference. And, of course, like so many other teams, it's goaltending can hold up. And I talked to Corey Schneider in camp. He said he joked about it. He's like, I know I'm going to sound um, like every other player, but I feel like I'm in the best shape. I, I really do. I feel great. Last year it was mental for me. Then it was physical. Then it was mental. Then it was physical. And finally, I just feel like everything is together. Um, but it's going to be a hot start. So it's going to be a fascinating year. And, and honestly, the first couple weeks of the season could dictate Taylor Hall's future. It's true. Um I like them. I think they're a wild card team, uh, which means that somebody's not going to be a playoff team, and that somebody is the New York Islanders. Uh, I think they come crashing back down to earth. Uh, I think last year was a very specific and special year. Prove everybody wrong, post Tavares. Uh, and I want the hockey gods to smite them for the way that they treated poor Robin Lehner. Um, stringing them along. They go and sign Semyon Varlamov, ugh. and then uh, Laner ends up with Chicago in a, in, a, in a good spot. But, I mean, that's such a good story last year, and it just feels like, you know, it was business business over 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 uh, emotion in that situation. It was kind of cruel, in it my opinion. very Lou Lamarillo-like. Yeah. Um, I actually, I believe in the system. I believe that it doesn't matter what guys you have there. And, look, I love Laner. I personally and i love his story and, and i do feel for what happened to him but for whatever reason like you look at this team on paper and it's like they shouldn't be good and i think they're gonna make the playoffs and oh, wow. i'll tell you this right. i think their defense you know we always talk about the structure but they have the players that can do it and i like pelic and pulak i think are two of the one of the underrated pairings in the league i think they're Really fun to watch. I loved watching them in the playoffs. Totally shut down Sidney Crosby. And I think they're just developing into a really young, exciting group. Not, wait, they're not an exciting group. Never say exciting <laughs> yeah. about the New York Islanders in that yeah, style yeah. of play. Yeah, they are young and capable as group. Exciting, yeah, they're exciting as the Islanders will, will be. Yeah, that they're means capable. That, so, okay, so we both think the Capitals are going to make the playoffs, and we both think that the Hurricanes are going to make the playoffs. Is that correct? Yeah, we haven't talked about the Hurricanes, but they're another team – Okay, I, I know I keep referencing all these conversations, but I just find this interesting, and I hope you guys do too. Um, one of the things that Rod Brindamore told me was last year when Tom Dundon um, created his whole plan for him, he's like, it's either going to suck or it's going to be awesome, but we're not going <laughs> to be in the middle. Like, we're, we're not going to be mediocre. Like, it's going to go one way or the other, and that's the way they do business. And I look at them this year, and I think it's the same thing. They're either going to suck or they're going to be awesome, and I mm-hmm. think they're going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I understand Tom Dundon more than I ever did because I finally went to Top Golf this summer and, uh, I get it. I really do. You found value that. in Top Golf? I, it's all about I, finding value, Greg. It, is it? Cause I it's think it's not about, about being thrifty. It's finding value. I think it's a, fa- it's about finding a way to transfer the joys of a bowling alley to the outdoors mm. and, uh, and, and having copious amounts of beer and, and, and apps while you, uh, hit balls poorly at That'll targets. Uh, but maybe that's just me. I, I, I think I like the Capitals to win the division. I like the Hurricanes second. So I'm just working out the math here. I it appears as though I believe in the magic of Sidney Crosby more than someone else in this podcast. 
I just look at this Penguins team, and I don't like the Galchenyuk and Kessel trade. I understand changing the locker room culture just on the ice. I don't like what that does. I, I see this as a team that two years ago was ready to commit to Matt Murray long-term and now is kind of holding off on contract talks. And they've got, prob- if not the best, prob- yes, the best one-two center punch in the league. But so many question marks besides that. It just it doesn't feel right to me. It just something's off. I agree that the supporting cast is not there. And I don't think I think that precludes them from like winning a playoff round or the conference, the cup. I still think this is a playoff team, though. I really do. I, I have a hard time betting against Sidney Crosby and a, a motivated Evgeny Malkin after reading that Rob Rossi piece in The Athletic over the summer about how Malkin feels like, uh, you know, things went so poorly and he's recommitting himself and yada, yada, yada. Like, I, I kind of dig all that. And uh, if Latang can stay healthy, I just feel like there's enough there to get them into the playoffs. I'm not I'm not ready to commit them to Blackhawksville yet as far as or Kingsville as far as uh, Titans of the last decade that now can't make the playoffs. Give me one more year of the Penguins. But but I, I, I don't I'm not cementing that one. You might be right on that one. I'll this is what I will that. say about them and I'm confident about the yeah. team we see right now is Probably not the same team we'll see in a month and definitely oh. not the same team we'll see at the end of the year. Jim Rutherford loves tweaking his roster and he's going to make, end quotes, hockey trades. If I don't know if he can make a hockey trade with Jack Johnson, but he's going to try. I'll keep trading away players that were mistakes. That's my Jim Rutherford. All right. Tell us about Taylor Hall. So Taylor Hall, I've now had two opportunities to sit down with him one-on-one in extended time. And I just find him to be one of the most candid players in the league. Um, you know, I sat down with him for about 20 minutes and nothing in there, like someone tweeted at this me and I thought it was so true. Like there was nothing crazy headline worthy and it was nothing bombastic, but it, it was just an honest conversation with an athlete. And I really appreciated that. So I took a, a snippet of that conversation. I just wanted to share it with you guys. So you could listen to one of the superstars in the league, pretty much just unplugged. And this is what he sounds like. So I was at the draft in Vancouver when they trade for PK Subban. I swear to God, the first question everyone wanted to ask Shiro was, what did Taylor Hall think? Like, did they ask Taylor Hall? So, like, what was that conversation with you and the coaching staff before they made that move? It's pretty brief. Um, I was just out one night in Toronto, and I got a call from, um, I think it was Ray. It might have been John or Ray, I kind of forget, but they just straight up asked me what my thoughts were and, you know, what I've heard about him, and, you know, I had nothing nothing but good things to say. I knew that he was, you know, obviously he has a personality and, and all that. I mean, that's all people want to talk about. But that, at the end of the day, like, he's a good hockey player. Dude went in Norris not too long ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm at the awards in Vegas when I win my award, and he's up for the Norris Trophy. And that didn't seem like too long ago in my head. So, um, you know, I was all for it. Like I said, everyone wants to talk about everything that comes with PK. But from what I see, I see a guy that wants to come in and play well. I'll take that guy on my team any day seems like a couple different times since you've been here you've had some like big sit-downs with Ray and people have written about them but one of the things is you're like I need better talent around me right like it's a good foundation he's like I want to build a team around you when you look at the stuff he did this summer what do you think to be uh, there was never a sit-down where I okay. where I sat with Ray and I said this needs to get better um, nor did he ever ask me anything like that I think it was you know when when I came out in the media and I said you know we need more talent I, I think that was fairly obvious. I think I was saying something that wasn't new to anyone, and I think everyone in the organization saw that this was a summer of opportunity. Um, 
with a lot of teams that were in cap trouble. Last year, I, I was hoping that they'd make a, a splash in free agency, but you know, looking back, there probably wasn't anyone that was worth you know really chasing, chasing, uh, chasing after. So, um, in saying that, um, they did a great job this summer, but I don't ever look at it as they're you know they're making moves to satisfy me or they're doing things to to make me happy they're just trying to make the best team possible and i want to be the best player possible on that team tell me a little bit about seeing jack hughes up close what do you notice about his game that you like yeah i mean everything he makes he makes the game look easy he's um uh, it doesn't look like his heart rate's you know too too high when he's out there because he's so calm and poised with the puck um He's never panicking. Um, his, his stride is pretty effortless, like I spoke about before. Um, you know, I'm really impressed with uh, with his shot. I mean, he's he's got a, a better shot than um, than I saw two years ago when I first skated with him. He, I honestly thought he, he could barely shoot the puck when he was <laughs> when he was 15 years old. So that's only going to keep getting better. But I've been out with him for two ice times here at camp and been really impressed. So one of the things I remember we talked about last year with you is the NHL needing to market its players better. This is like the hell I want to die on. I want every NHL player to do big, like I'm just doing this big poll for guys. And one of the questions they ask is, would you feel comfortable doing a big campaign for Nike or Gatorade? Or would you feel like that would be a distraction to your team? If you had to guess, like I've been to a couple camps so far, the responses. Like what's a big campaign? What does that like, entail? Uh, uh, ad campaign like on Sunday Night Football all of a sudden you see Austin Matthews out there like sipping Gatorade. I, I think that would be great. 50% of the guys say no. I, I don't why. I don't. I, they say it would be a distraction to the team. That's not me. I wouldn't want to put myself out there. I mean I see PK PK does a lot and uh, I, I, he hasn't distracted me once all week from right? doing my job. So yeah, I'm not really sure I understand that. At the end of the day, like, we're in the entertainment business. I think Ray said that when he traded for PK. And there's nothing wrong with some personality. Like, you come to the rink every day and you see the same people and they're saying the same things and, and all that. Like, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of pizzazz and, and some change-up. So, but um, how that would be a distraction to the team, I don't really realize. Our thanks to Taylor Hall of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, my thanks to Sneakers, my dog, who you may have heard yapping away during the first segment. She is uh, experiencing what it's like to all of a sudden have a podcast going on during the day. A little bit of yield separation anxiety with my adorable mini Australian shepherd, uh, a.k.a. Twitter superstar, uh, Baby Sneakers. Oh, Baby Sneakers. we got to get her on the same celebrity levels as Mina Kimes' is Lenny. Yes. Um she also made her appearance during that podcast I did with, with Mina that'll be coming out soon. It's good times. This dog. Hungry for fame, I think, is the problem, Emily. <laughs> Western Conference preview. Central division. This is a real tough, uh, to me, this is the group of death. Um, every time I look at this division, I say to myself that everybody here has gotten better save for one team. And that's the Winnipeg Jets. But even that team is still pretty damn good. Um, their, their blue line isn't. Their forwards are really good. And I think their goalie is good. What do we say as far as who might finish last in this division? You know, it's funny. That conversation I referenced earlier with the coach um, who said that there's only like four teams that are really out of it this year and everyone else has a chance. That conversation came up when I asked him about the Blackhawks. I was like, what do you think of them this year? And he's like, 
only four teams are out of it. Everyone has a chance. He was talking about the Blackhawks, saying, like, look, this is a team that improved their blue line a bit. They've got two elite scores in the league. Patrick Kane is an elite scorer, and Alex Dabrinkit, quietest 40 goal scorer in the league besides Jake Gensel, like, got the job done. Um, so they're, the, I think, who should finish at the bottom, but I don't know if they will. Another team that, like, I also don't know about is the Minnesota Wilds. When I wrote mm-hmm. their preview, you know, the big question is how much damage did Paul Fenton do? <laughs> uh, you know, this guy was on the job for not very long and seemed to have made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, this is a team that's old and slow and he kind of and saddled with big contracts and he just saddled them with bigger, old and maybe not slow, but contracts. Um, but like, they're still a good team. And, you know, in the future, we're worried about their salary cap, but We've got Matt Dumbo, who was on the precipice of, like, having this huge breakout season and becoming a big star. He gets hurt. He comes back healthy and motivated. You've got, you know, the defense in place. Goaltending, eh, it can hold up. You've got some good forwards. Like, it could happen. It's it's an elite defensive team. I mean, yeah, if, you yeah. look at, if you look at the underlying numbers as far as, as far as what they were able to accomplish last year, they're, they're top three, maybe top four, maybe top two. Um, depending on what you're looking at as far as defense goes, I, I just don't know where the goals are coming from. Um, I, I think it's a problem when some of your best players are a bit aged. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this was a team that generated a, a, a Bruce Boudreaux team, no less, that generated 211 goals last year. And that's, that's bad. Uh, so I'm going to put them last only because I think if the Blackhawks were good enough to finish a point ahead of them in the standings last year with horrible goaltending. I mean, they gave up 292 goals last year. It was. Uh, I wouldn't put it all in goaltending. That was left high. Yeah, right. I mean, the defense yeah, was but bad. Like you said, right? So, so they improved the blue line. But um, they improved pro- the blue line with band-aid fixes. Like Olimata and Kelvin DeHaan are great, but like, is that really transforming the complexion of your blue line? No, but I think that having Robin Lehner around in case Croy Crawford gets what, whatever, you know, could be the element this time, uh, is going to help them, and, and I think that's going to bring their goals against down. Enough where they're going to have a bit of a, of a points cushion ahead of the wild for the bottom of that division. But again, both of them could probably have more points than like a quarter of the league, you know, based on, on how good the rest of the division is. So I'll say those two at the bottom. Um, I'll say this right now about the central. I got the predators mm-hmm. up top to win it. I've got the defending champs, the St. Louis blues, still weird to say, finishing second. Got the Dallas Stars finishing third. I've got the Colorado Avalanche as your wild card team. And I've got the Winnipeg Jets outside looking in. Can't trust that defense. Can't trust that. I cannot believe this Billy Hanola. I, moi moi Quito. Sorry for butchering his name, but this 18 year old undersized defenseman is going and getting a decent look this year in the preseason. That's just how far them like he's probably going to be a great player, but probably has no business playing in the NHL this season. Yeah. But that's the way of the world right now for them. I mean, yeah. you know, losing Truba, losing Myers, um losing Maybe uh, losing Bufflin. We haven't talked Maybe about losing Bufflin. Bufflin. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's they have a sub um optimal blue line right now. And as good as they can be up front, I just think that's going to be, you, you just can't go, you can't go to war with that. So, especially that division. And, you know, the Avalanche are an interesting team because uh, Vegas has them as potentially winning that division. A lot of people seem to believe that they could win that division. 
I'm not quite there with them yet as far as being that kind of team. They might be there next year. I think they're definitely a playoff team. I think they're they're super dangerous and a team that can get on a, on a roll. But uh, and I love what Sackick did to flesh out that forward group this yeah. summer. I mean, the as you, the Jonas Donskoy uh, 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 signing is like one of my favorite things that's happened in the last year. It's it's so smart. It is. But, and Kadri, no one's talking about Kad- Kadri adds an element of depth for them that they did sure. not before on the second line. Do you have them ahead of the, ahead of the Stars? You already have the Avalanche. I have the Stars above them. I, I I think people are sleeping on the Stars. I I look at the Stars and. They have the best blue line in the league, I believe. Now, I, nope. I think they've surpassed uh, Nashville. I just most—if I want to build around a blue line, I want to build around these guys. I do. Interesting. Well, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you were, if you were taking like, yeah, yeah. If you were betting on futures Double here, futures. as far as like Klingberg right. and and he's going forward. And I combine that with the fact that I think they had the best one-two punch and goalie in the league. If Ben Bishop and Kadobin stay healthy, like they were terrific last year. Um, and okay, they scored a paltry amount of goals. It was embarrassing. Um, they make a great signing with Chopavelsky. Like, you take a flyer on Perry. Like, I think they're going to get it done. You have to imagine that Sagan and Ben won't start off as slow as they did last year. No one really talks about Radulov. He's a really dangerous scorer. Um, I know you're laughing. You want to make some Jim Lights comment, but it's yeah, true. Yeah, I, like, do. I, I, just, I, just, I just find it funny that, like, you know, when you say they'll, they'll get off to a better start than they did last year, like, the bar is set at will a team executive call them horse ex- excrement with Yeah, the and I think the they're going to clear that bar. <laughs> Easily. Uh, I like this team though. Like I, 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 I do. And I, I think I have them slightly above the avalanche right now. There's one of these weird deals that happens every summer where people all seem to come to the same bizarre conclusion. And the bizarre conclusion this summer seemed to be, oh, obviously Ben Bishop will regress. Like, why? Uh, they're going to say obviously the Colorado Avalanche are winning the Stanley Cup. Well, that that's was also I mean, there's a, there's also that, but I mean, like, like this this sort of like blanket statement of like, oh, obviously Ben Bishop's going to regress. I'm like, first of all, why? And second of all, if he does, I mean, like you said, it's not as if there's another guy there that can't handle the load for a couple weeks. And I believe in Jim Montgomery's system. Like, I, I feel like they just got good structure. Yeah, I agree with that too. All right, so who do you have winning the division, Preds or Blues? Uh, I got the Preds. All right, there you go. Me too. I, I, I think uh, Duchesne. Missing piece. Yeah, fleshing out the second line and maybe making their power play uh, better than garbage. You talk about where the where the, where the bars are set. My God, <laughs> the the bar is literally on the floor right now as far as the Nashville Predators power play. Uh, so anything above that is going to be an improvement. I think they're probably going to win the division again. All right, Pacific Division. I imagine one of those other teams that your friend talked about, insofar as being non-competitive, are probably in this division. I think there's two of them, and they both are located within miles of each other, and that's the two oh. Southern California teams. Um, I don't have much to say about them. I know you visited them in camp, so I'm more curious to hear your take. Yeah, so the Kings are are in a weird purgatory right now, where they 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 have, as our as our colleague Chris Peters has pointed out, one of the best uh, collection of prospects in the league. The problem is that they're a few years away. So what Rob Blake basically told me is this. I got all these veterans on the team, and I would like to trade some of them. But I'm not getting the offers that I want. And if I do trade them, I don't really have young players to move up into these spots yet. So I would just have to go out and find other old guys and sign them for, like, smaller term contracts. And that's a hassle. So that's the spot the Kings are in. Do I think Todd McClellan might be able to change the tone and tenor of their play and get them to a more respectable place? 
I think it's possible. Will Jonathan Quick better be, be better than sub replacement like he was last year? I think it's possible, but this team is still a team that was built to win in 2014, and that's the real issue. So I agree with you on that one. Anaheim is a trickier one for me because Anaheim's going to have elite goaltending, and Anaheim does have some pieces up front that I like, and it does have at least four good defensemen. Um, and it does have a collection of young players that are going to be familiar with the way that Dallas Eakins coaches uh, during his time in San Diego, which is something I always love when teams hire the AHL guy and he gets a bunch of his grunts on there. It happened with John Cooper with Tampa. It happened with Bruce Boudreau in Washington. It's one of the things I really like to see. So I, I would say that of the two, bang on, the Kings are going to suck. They need to. They're, they're, they're a few years away from, from boomeranging back to respectability. I think the Ducks could outkick their coverage a little bit to the point where I, I would say that if if you ask me who's going to finish it with a better record, I would take them over the Edmonton Oilers at this point. Okay. So you mentioned the big O. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the greatest the greatest thing ever written this week on any any website ever was I think it was Sean Tierney who had a a um a, a line projection for the Edmonton Oilers. And he said, if you put your thumb over the middle of that line projection, the names that are on the list aren't any better than the names that were on the waiver wire this week. And he might be right. Like, if you take out McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, what are you even left with outside of James Neal? Like, what do you even have? It worries me. And then you mentioned James Neal. It's like, what are you going to get with that? You don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh- so that's a that's a bad hockey team. And and uh, uh, once again, when do we get SEAL Team 6 together to rescue Connor? Send them in, smash and grab job, take him out, put him on Detroit. Oh, that'd solve a lot of problems. Him and Larkin as the one-two punch at center. Yeah, it's getting to be that time. Good contract, though, Connor. Uh, I would say Ducks, Oilers, Kings for me, D-O-K. Mm-hmm. Now, now... So let's go to the top for a second. Do yep. we both agree Vegas will make the playoffs? Uh, I got Vegas in my finals. Okay, then that would indicate. Can I say why? Like, have you sure. looked at their? Uh, you have because you visited them, but their top six is a great top six. Yeah, they're one of those teams where their their two, first two lines are incredible, and then you start to look down the lineup and you're like, oh, I remember this guy. Oh, this guy does pretty well for himself. Oh, this guy's still on the team. You realize they have unparalleled depth at forward it's their d that worries me a little bit because they don't have that foundational elite defenseman to kind of yeah. tie it all together the guy who plays 25 minutes a night and can be your drew dowdy or but they've or, never um, had or, that yeah that's the problem uh, the first year was sort of an anomaly the, to actually push for a cup now i wish they had it but i think they can still push for one without it um i mean teams have won without one the penguins won without one that one year when, do you know what's going in their Tang favor huh do you know what's going in, in the Golden Knights' favor? They what's have that? a weak blue line, and there's defensive deficiencies, but they have two forwards that are incredibly defensive. And, yeah. And that's Mark Stone and William Carlson. Like, both of those guys can help out and mask some of the issues. They also score a crap ton of goals, which kind of helps out. But So I, I, I have them in, too. I think that they're going to win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the Sharks in. I think mm-hmm. they'll, they're, they're still a playoff team, even if I, I really feel like they're going to miss Pavelski in a pretty major way. Um, especially in the postseason. I think they've got enough guys that can fill in during the regular season where they can, you know, put a band-aid over that. You have the Flames in? Flames are number three for me. 
All right. I've got, I got the Flames seconds. Vegas Flames, Sharks, even though I despise Calgary's goaltending. Um, I think they're in. So let's talk about the Coyotes and the Canucks. Who are your wild card teams in the West? Getting weird. Uh, I have St. Louis actually as my wild card. Sorry, we even oh. kind of jumbled that. I think they, they get in. I just think the Central is just going to kind of cannibalize itself and they're going to be a playoff team and just on the cross. And then I got the Yotes. I believe in the Yotes. The Yotes. I just, you know, at the end of last year, I wrote the story on all the bad, terrible, no good, sucky luck they had at the injuries and how they were almost making the playoffs anyway and how they all believed in Tockett and how if goaltending had just, you know, stayed a little bit healthy, uh, they could have possibly figured it out. And then they go and get a superstar in Phil Kessel. And I know he's not playing in Pittsburgh's system, but he's still a damn good guy. And they have a great penalty kill already. Phil Kessel is going to improve their power play. I just kind of feel like this is the year they sneak in. And, you know, I'm not saying they're going to make a run in the playoffs. I just think they're going to get a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. The we'll Avalanche are one of my wild card teams. And my other wild card team also comes from the Pacific Division. It also is a team that lingers outside of that top three and above the, the bottom three. It's the Vancouver Canucks. You crazy, crazy, crazy guy. I think that once in a while, Emily, you have to be bold. You have to go against the grain. And when I look at this team, I look at a team with one of the best youthful cores in the league. If Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, and Bo Horvat can stay healthy, which I know is asking a lot. Uh, Quinn Hughes added to the mix. Uh, some good, smart, offensive additions in JT Miller and Michael Furland. Goaltending that I think was already pretty damn good last season. I'm saying this. The Vancouver Canucks can stay healthy. The team that lost more one-goal games last season than anybody in the league will start to win a few of those. They're in a division with points to be had from the teams below them and around them. Ahead of schedule, Emily, the Vancouver Canucks, playoff bound, and then what will Canucks fans do with the conundrum that is a playoff team built by Jim Brandon Bennett? Brandon Alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and sorry, also, Tra- Travis Green, one of my favorite coaches in this league, and if think, I think they make, if they make the playoffs, I think he probably wins the Jack Adams. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even a question. Like... Uh, and Pedersen is obviously MVP because that means that he's had a 100-point season. Yep. Markstrom wins the Vezina. Quinn Hughes wins the Calder and the Norris. I'm, I'm glad you're finally singing my song on this. Vancouver makes the playoffs in the Western Conference. Book it. Remember this podcast. Play this clip back at the end of the season when you shower me with 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 uh, flowers and sweets for being the prognosticator amongst prognosticators at ESPN. Your playoff-bound Vancouver Canucks. Plan... Well, not the parade, but uh, to take a few days off to go to playoff games in the first round before you're annihilated, Vancouver fans. Annihilated sounds a lot like alien. It does. Um, Speaking of aliens, there's something otherworldly about this next guest's hair. (laughs) This next guest's hair and outfit choices and style and composure and everything they say about him, it's true. It's Henrik Lundqvist. I had a chance to sit down with him at the Player Media Tour in Chicago. And, 
you know what? There's not much more to say. Here he is. Big hard-hitting questions. Mm-hmm. The first one, I heard this rumor. One of my Swedish friends told me that in Sweden, you are known just as much as the shampoo guy, as the hockey guy. That's what happens when you work with the head and shoulders for eight years. <laughs> so those commercials just must run all the time? Uh, they do. They do. But it's, uh, no, it's been a fun uh, relationship with, with uh, P&G. They let me be part of the creative side uh, for years. We've been having a lot of fun with it. So, yeah, it happens. People stop and say, I'm the shampoo guy. <laughs> one of the things I've been asking players is how anonymous they can be in public. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being you could walk down the street and no one recognizes you, 10 being you're swarmed. When you're back home in Sweden, what is it? Uh, that's hard. Like, it, it all depends where you are in the city sure. and what time it is. Uh, there's definitely moments where it's a little hectic, uh, but there, there are also days when, when it's very relaxing, so it's hard. I'm, I'm just going to say uh, five. Okay, what about New York City? Um, <laughs> same, but it's less than Sweden for sure, so I'm going to say... Um, Three. Okay, that sounds nice. It is nice. That's why I love New York. Yeah. It's, uh, you blend in pretty good. And you you can live a pretty relaxing life. There's definitely moments and days where it's more intense and there's more focus. Um, but there's also moments where you feel like you, you can live a pretty average and, and, and normal life. Mm-hmm. And that mix is, is great. So I've been trying to cover women's hockey better, and I'm a little bit familiar with what's going on with the Swedish women's hockey team, and I understand you voiced your support for them in their boycott. So just for anyone who's kind of unaware of what's going on as someone who's been in the Swedish, you know, national team program, why are they boycotting? So, I mean, they had a list of of many things that they feel like they need to improve, but one of them was um, they wanted the federation to cover for lost income. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these women, they have... Uh, regular jobs and then when they go play for the national team they, have, they lose some income so what they want is uh, for the federation to cover that and I, to me I, I think uh, that's something that needs to happen because to play for the national team should be the most proudest thing you can do as a hockey player and, and uh, it's really hard when, when you have to sacrifice that much to go and play. Uh, at the same time, I understand that the Federation doesn't have a lot of money, but I'm happy that they're, they're starting this conversation because maybe they can just uh, look at the budget and see how they prioritize money and see if they can move things around to make sure they can help the women you know, feel really good about going on these tournaments and, and, and play for Team Sweden and not feel like they're putting themselves in the tough spot. My, right. And my understanding is the women's program has been a bit neglected in the sense that, I mean, if you look at it in an international level, they're not having the same success that it used to have. No. Um, yeah, the last year or so has been a little tougher when it comes to results. And um, I don't know the exact reasons for that, but... Obviously, when, when if you want to do well, you, you, you need resources to, to prepare and, and, and uh, you know, obviously feel really good about you know your preparations and, and the resources you have when, when you go to a tournament, for example. Why did you think it was important to speak out on that? Well, to be honest, I, I, uh, 
I was walking off practice and a reporter came up to me and, and, and asked about it and I just uh, you know I've been reading a little bit about what was going on and, and I, I just go to myself how I feel when it comes to play for my country and how mm-hmm. proud you, you are and you go there and um, it has nothing to do with you know making money or, or uh, fame or fortune it, it's about that proud feeling representing a country a people and and I uh, just want to make sure they don't like I said uh, end up in a tough spot by not you know getting covered uh, the right way so that's what I felt I, I really try to understand it from my point of view and, and then I understand we have very different um, circumstances when it comes to women the hockey player and, and the men's hockey different player. Different opportunity, different landscape. Yeah, so, it, you know, sometimes, you know, it's hard to maybe really understand their situation, but I do know the feeling going to play for my country. I know that and, and how it feels and how it should feel. I want to talk a little bit about you. At the end of last season, you said you were, it was this draining season. I don't want to totally misquote it. That was the word I think you used. Was that more mental drain, or physical yeah. draining? No, it was probably one of the toughest seasons I've played uh, mentally. You know, to go through what we went through in part of a rebuild. And, and <clears throat> first half, I felt really good, super excited, and I played at a level I felt like I was making a difference. The second half was a lot tougher, and uh, there was a lot of things going on, and a lot of guys left, and, and um, obviously we're in a position where we're looking at the future and, and in the draft, and, and um, yeah, it, it, it was a tough couple months there, but you learn a lot about yourself and how you react to certain things, and uh, but that also makes me feel really excited about now, uh, what happened over the summer with the draft and the signings we made in the free agency. I feel like the Rangers took a couple big steps in the right direction, so I'm super happy about that. I'm excited to get going. I'll talk about the good stuff, I promise, but you said, you know, you, you questioned me the way you react to things. There's some type of thing now, looking back, you kind of regret saying, I wish I handled that a little bit differently, or I wish I came to the rink a little happier now, or was a better teammate, or... Um, no, I, I don't have any regrets. It's more... Uh, I don't think it, it it was probably harder than I expected it to be to go through this whole process. If you play, you know, I'm counting the years in Sweden, I suppose, like four or five years, and then until last year, it's 13 years, so 17, 18 years where the focus has been to win and to, uh, you know, be in the mix. And suddenly it's about improving and the future and and just your whole mindset and the feeling you have changes and then it was a new experience and I never experienced that before and then, um, like I said you, you learn from it but um, in the end you know I, I play this game to to win games and you want to win as much as possible and that's why I'm super excited about going into camp now I feel like we've made some really strong additions here and uh, I don't know exactly where we will stand or how good we will be but I feel like we're, we're moving in the right direction and that alone is exciting
Trupa is going to be great on the blue line, but Panarin seems like the really big, splashy signing. That's the guy everyone wanted, and you guys landed him. What was your reaction when you found that out? Uh, it was a good feeling for sure. Um, the fact that he picked us, he wants to come here, he wants to be a big part of the Rangers. I think he will be a great fit. Um, I had an opportunity to skate with him now for a week or so, and uh, super skilled guy, very good hockey player. Uh, I haven't really got to know him yet, just a little bit. He seems like a great guy. I think that's going to be important when you're such a big piece of the team for him to, uh, you know, help all the, the young guys too. And we have a few Russian players on the team. I think that he's going to play a big part off the ice as well. One of the big storylines it feels like right now in the NHL is goalie workload management. I was covering Boston in the playoffs, and, yeah. you know, Tuka Rask played less games than he usually had, and he was saying that's why he felt so refreshed in the playoffs. It was one of the reasons. And you, I believe, it's 60 or more games for eight seasons, which is kind of crazy. Is that something you yeah, but think is sustainable? I was also early in my career. I think over the last few years, uh, you've seen the change more and more teams go towards playing a little less the starting goalie and um, I think it makes sense it's more intense now there's more shots more scoring chances uh, it takes a toll obviously it's faster uh, faster uh, I think there's a lot of games now where as a goalie if you, if you play if you play good you're probably not going to win. You need to play great to win games. Mm-hmm. And for you to be on that level almost every night, that's obviously the biggest challenge, I think. So, And also you have more options out. There's more goalies that can get the job done, I think. It used to be a clear-cut number one. This guy would play close to 70 games. But you, you definitely see a change in that. And, uh, you know, in makes sense now when you look at how intense the game is and also how many good goals are out there. You guys got a good young one in Gorgiev, Georgiev. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does he push you? And, and it, this seems like it's, you know, the first time where there kind of could be a session plan for you. That's um, at least under your wing. Yeah, I think every year I definitely feel there's there's guys around you that obviously they want, they want to play, they want to get more games in. And, um I still, no matter who's next to me, I, my focus is on my game and how can I improve and be the best I can be. And then in the end, it's up to the coach to decide when I play and how many games I play. Uh, but every year, it doesn't matter who, who you're um, teaming up with, you become a team within the team, the goalies. It's you, the other goalie, and the goalie coach. And me and Georgie work really well together and we push each other and we have Benny the goalie coach who pushes us so uh, feel good about that you know you want to create a strong team within within the group and, and try to have fun and make sure we, we do well a couple quick questions they're fun ones Dan <laughs> you're good um, what's your cheat meal um, or cheat snack well I'm, I'm a big cheeseburger Guy. I eat a lot of cheeseburgers. Cheat a lot. I, I don't. I don't see that as a cheat meal though, because I I rely on it. <laughs> you need the iron. You need the protein. Yeah, it's too good yeah. not to eat it. So I, I I honestly don't see it as a cheat meal. Maybe some people do, but I don't. What's the impulse buy you've purchased in the last year? A what? Impulse purchase. Oh. Um. 
Ooh. I can't come up with anything really. Um, maybe think about a jack or something when I went to London this summer. Didn't plan on doing it, but it it just happened. Would you buy a jacket? Oh, okay. Nothing special, but I was there for a few days and walked around and just caught your eye. Yes, caught my eye. <laughs> uh, what was the last time you Googled yourself? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, it's been it's been a while. Uh, Did you do it earlier on in your career? I find that it's more when 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 you've done like uh, work with your charity stuff for different events, uh, and I have uh, you know person reaching out from from um, uh, the foundation or a business manager about something. Uh, you might need to find out <laughs> some details about stuff, um, but no, I, I can't never really remember any recent stuff. What's one change you could make to the NHL to make it better? It's a broad question. Go wherever you want with it. Um, to be honest, I think the game is really good where it's at right now. It's uh, a lot of skill. It's high speed. A lot of good players. Um, yeah, I really believe we don't we don't need to change a lot. To there's always going to be change, but let's not force it. And my last thing: what player in the league that's not on the Rangers are you most in awe of? Um, I mean, I think uh, McDavid is such a great player. Uh, he's fun to watch with his skill. and uh, Yeah, he, he's impressive. Since he entered the league, he's done, uh, he's done great, great work. So maybe him. Cool. I really appreciate it. All right. Our thanks to Henrik Lundqvist, uh, the New York Rangers. And you know what, Greg? I was surprised to find out that his cheat meal is hamburgers. Which brings us to our favorite segment of the week. Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. <laughs> no, he does not love to eat hot dogs. Our weekly look, look at sad hyperbole and strange narratives of the hockey media. Good one, Randy. Oh. Good one. It's Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. Not Henrik Lundqvist loves cheeseburgers. Yet don't, more evidence. Don't get it mixed up. Yeah, don't get it mixed up. Yet more evidence this summer that Phil Kessel may not actually even eat hot dogs, which is furthering... Um, okay, I'd like to speak on that for a second. I please, just found yes. it funny. So I, I talked to Tockett for this uh, Phil Kessel story. It was like, I don't know, it was just kind of a general question of do you think it's unfair the way the media picks on Phil? And he just goes off on this tangent, unprovoked. You know, he doesn't even like hot dogs. Doesn't even like uh, In the same way that Amanda Kessel had to defend him. But his whole point was that Phil laughs about it behind the scenes. He does nothing to try to clear his name. Which just kind of perpetuates it, and here we are. We have a whole segment about it. And one hundred percent, he laughs like this. <laughs> it's a Phil Kessel laugh. Oh, uh, on the athletic, podcast. on the athletic, Richard Deitch, media reporter, uh, put together a roundtable of their several thousand hockey writers, 
and uh, they were all asked, How, what would you do to, to improve the game? What would you do to make hockey more palatable? And I'm going to zero in on my friend Josh Yoey of the, uh, the Penguins Beat, who said this, hire more Canadians, seriously, more to the point, steal some people from CBC and elsewhere and bring them south. It's true that hockey doesn't translate as well to television as other sports, but watch one Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. The production is better, the sound quality is off the charts better, and the overall feel of the broadcast is vastly superior to anything any NBC provides. You feel like you're at the game when you're watching a Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. NBC offers a legend in Doc Emmerich and the wonderful Eddie Olchek. Otherwise, it typically feels like a second-rate broadcast. Watch, learn, and the ratings will grow. Now, there's some truth in here. It's not all hot dog worthy. But I will say this. One of the things that I think has certainly held the NHL back in the U.S. is the fact that it feels, to use a word we've bandied about many times in this podcast, this, this edition, alien. It feels like something foreign. It feels like the other. And I've long said that when you have it, like, for example, when Nashville came into the league, imagine how better the connection would have been between that team and its fans if the first voices you heard on a broadcast in Nashville sounded like they were taken off a NASCAR broadcast. Sounded like a guy that would be hanging out on Broadway after the game versus sounding like, you know, a guy from Oakville. We don't need more Canadians on American television. We just need better Americans. All right, now it's time for Puck Headlines. Dateline, Scottsdale. Emily, the biggest news that happened probably in the weeks leading up to this podcast was Austin Matthews and the disorderly conduct charge that is going to be percolating through the uh, Arizona court system. Uh, he has uh, talked about it, obviously has not apologized for anything because there's always the chances there's going to be further litigation. And uh, what was your take on the Austin Matthews situation? I think it was disappointing. Uh, you know, I don't want to make it a bigger deal than it is. I don't want to pontificate too much on it. But, you know, you read the police report and when I go through it, I say, Okay, Austin Matthews, by this woman's account, was acting like a drunk idiot. He was just being stupid. Um, he wasn't considering how he was coming across to this woman, you know, how he could have intimidated her or just scared her. Uh, he didn't threaten her, though. He didn't touch her. Um, it, it didn't really cross a line in that sense. But I, I just think it's disappointing for a player of his statue, A, to put himself in a position like this, and B, uh, the way he chose to handle it was really disappointing of understanding you're a leader on this team. Either it's just really a lack of foresight or really bad advice he was getting to not be transparent with the team. It always comes out. Like, this always comes oh. out. And to hide it from them, I just thought was a really poor decision by him. So I'm disappointed in it. I, I hope that this is a learning movement uh, moment for him and he moves on. Yeah. Uh, immaturity is the word I'd use. And like you said, the thing that disturbs you is the fact that, that he decided not to tell his team. And you literally had Brendan Shanahan favoriting tweets um, that had the police report on them <laughs> to figure out what exactly had happened. And that's an embarrassing look. Uh, you know, Dubas and Babcock saying they found out through Twitter. Not to be kind of, you know, back room on this or anything, but like, there's a reason you tell your team. Um, these teams have a funny way of trying to make situations disappear. It wouldn't be the first time it's happened in this league where guys get in trouble and their teams find a way to make situations disappear. It's kind of why you tell your team. On top of, you know, you tell your team so they're not caught with their, well, I was about to say with their pants down. Probably shouldn't do that. Uh, in situations like this. <laughs> Dateline pop punk. 
Green Day signs a two-year contract with the NHL. Why? You know what's funny is that the player media tour, um, Steve Mayer, who's the guy in charge of all of this, I was complimenting him because they had Chance the Rapper there. And I was like, you are totally, like, getting, like, he's the most relevant guy right now. They had him do some things with players. I think he was revising his SNL character, which is like, oh, okay, like, that joke's kind of old. But uh, sometimes it feels like they're taking a step forward, and sometimes they take a couple steps back, and Green Day just isn't relevant to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it, it kind of fits the pop-punk gritty aesthetic, gritty, clearly, yeah. uh, you know, of, you know, like, let's get to it. This is a gritty sport, but, yeah, no, I, I just, I don't understand it i think they're in a bit of a of a spot because on the one hand if they had gone with someone more culturally relevant then people would be tweeting that gif of steve buscemi with the hoodie and the skateboard at the nhl all day saying nice try old guys but at the same time they also went with a, a, a band that like you said is maybe a bit past their expiration date um, but at the same time, probably speaks to a good majority of the hardcore hockey fans. Um, but here's the thing. Do they have like a legacy following? Like if you were a Green Day fan when they came out, like, are you a devoted Green Day fan now? You know, I, I think as legacy follows go, they're probably ahead of someone like Weezer. Really? And probably, yeah, I think so. I, they're, they're rock and roll hall of famers. I mean, they're, they're a, 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 a seminal pop punk band Gary that certainly the had also. they got more songs you know than most bands but uh you know i i guess my my problem is i don't see the need for why is there a t- why is why did they give him a two-year contract <laughs> i guess that's my problem in what in what other sport do the does the press release go out and be like we have signed carrie underwood to a two-year contract to do the, the music for football like, why a two-year contract? Is it just because hockey is so summarily obsessed with, with, with contractual terms and cap hits? Did they have to give them a, a higher uh, salary on the second year to get the AAV down? I really <laughs> wish that there was, like, nonsense. details of the terms are undisclosed. Line in the press release. <laughs> As per um, the policy. Dateline RFAs. Miko Rantanen and Patrick Laine end their long contract squabbles with interesting deals. What was your take on either of those? Um, I'll just talk about the outside perception of them. One, I think it was adorable when Gabriel Landeskog is standing in the parking lot with a big sign that's like, welcome back, Miko. Adorable. <laughs> also, I have to give a shout out to the Colorado Avalanche. I just feel like I've noticed lately have really upped their original content. Like They mm-hmm. were really leaning into Kale McCarr being a puppy dog and just loving everything in the player media tour. It was great. Um, and as for Patrick Laine, it makes total sense, right? Like, he needs that bridge deal because he feels like he needs to prove it. Uh, the team doesn't want to commit to him for a super long time because they feel like he's a little too streaky. Um, I feel for Lina, you know, I, I feel like as I've gotten to know him and, and been around Winnipeg, especially in that first year, um, he's a blunt, blunt style. Um, he, he says things as they are. English is not his first language. I do think that too much was made of some of his comments that came triple translated over from Finland. Um, I don't think he meant to insult Brian Little like that. Um, but, yeah, it, it just made sense to me. I'll insult Brian Little. I think Lionel should be playing with a better center. Um, I, I yeah, found but, that like, contra- are you going to break up that top line? No. And, he, and, and, and actually, in the times that he's played with Shifley, it's not been all that productive. Right. Um, I, the, I think what outside of the 
blue line of Geddon that happened to the Jets this offseason. I think the, the thing that set them back the most was, was Paul Stasny deciding he didn't want to be in Winnipeg after they made that trade. Like, if Stasny was still on this team playing with Ehlers and, and Line, whew, pretty good line. Yeah. But, you know, it's the problem with Winnipeg is retaining talent. Um, yeah, I Kevin think, Hayes is not going to resign there. And- <laughs> I think that, uh, I think, I think this, I, I, I think that Line is a fascinating guy who may be in that sort of Phil Kessel lane of being an extraordinarily talented player that maybe doesn't connect with his teammates the right way. And I also think that this deal reminds me of the Matthew Shane contract a few years back with Colorado, where it was like he came off kind of a, a, a middling season and it was a show-me contract for both sides, and then he got paid. And I think in Line's case, it's the contract that he deserves. And in Rantanen's case, it's it's fantastic that they have him and Nathan McKinnon locked up for the amount of money they have them locked up for for like the next four years. It's insane. The, the cap management there is insane. Um, finally, Dateline, our Stanley Cup picks. I think we went through the entire preview without actually saying who's going to win. So got, who, do you, who do you have in the final? I got this hot, 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 sizzling hot take. I've got Nashville in the final with the Washington Capitals. With the Washington Capitals winning their second Stanley Cup in three years. Whoa. Hot chicken versus red hots. Very exciting. Not as exciting as your Canucks pick you're about to spew on us. I, uh, I dig it. Um, again, as, as everybody knows, hockey writers usually like to pick final series that benefit them travel wise. Nashville to Washington gets you some miles. Nashville is a party central kind of place i will say dc kind of sucks the hotels are super expensive and yeah. last time we were there in the finals it was so humid it was worse than being in vegas for that finals because we were just swamped yeah and plus the museum will be closed by then too mm, they just no, announced that yeah. today not enough museums to go to there so hockey perspective probably a great final um hockey writer perspective b my stanley cup prediction on the other hand is two fantastic towns from the Western Conference, the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. I'm already shining up my M Life card, ready oh for that. Oh my god, I think I have Vegas in the final instead of Nashville. <laughs> I did. I, that's what I put in the final. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I feel so strongly about my picks. Do you want? Do you want to make two separate? Do you want to make an ESPN and Ice prediction and then an ESPN.com? No, I'm prediction? not going to be that person. I'm just going to be the person <laughs> that forgets their picks. I thought about doing that one year where every single form of media I'm on, I just make a different pick so that I can go back and claim that I was correct. Yeah, so with this some, is your like, Canucks podcast audio. pick. <laughs> this is your token uh, Canucks airtime. Right, Sorry, I don't know why I can't get over that. Okay. okay. So you if also you, have if you Vegas, think like Vegas, I do. Yeah. I think Vegas. I, we both do. We both think <laughs> Vegas. Sorry, Nashville. <laughs> and on the other side of the bracket, again, Nashville. close your eyes for a moment and, yeah. and think of this. Toronto Maple Leafs win the Atlantic Division. Oh, the Tampa God. Bay Lightning and the Boston Bruins play in the sec- in the first round. They finish two and three. The Lightning are pissed. Oh, are they mad? They roll the Bruins, getting revenge for their horrible performance in the first round last season. And then here come your Toronto Maple Leafs. They roll through the Lightning. They get through the winner of the Metro. And Can you bring your own sound effects? They get to the Stanley Cup. I don't know what that is. And they take out 
the Vegas Golden Knights. All the drama, the Marner drama, the Matthews drama, the Dubas drama, all of it goes by the wayside. For the first time since 1967, they're parading through the streets in Toronto. A Stanley Cup celebration like no other. Title Town, Toronto, Raptors, Leafs, and the best thing about it, Emily, everyone's under contract, so no Kawhi Leonard's. You call it Toronto because you hate the way that Canadians say some of our cities, like Colorado. Hate it. The worst. Colorado. Um, I think the light, the Leafs over the the the, the Knights. I love it. Um, I'm just gonna end on this. I literally cannot remember who I picked, Nashville or Vegas. <laughs> I think it's going to end in a tie. They're going to alternate games against uh, the eventual cup champ capitals. Okay. Let's go to the, uh, the rant line on this ramshackle edition of ESPN and ice. I'm not even an Oilers fan, but how do you surround Connor McDavid with that? Just how? It's, it's sad. It was uh, Ken Holland, I believe, uh, calling in the rant line. No, like we said before, it's it's insane how uh, much of a of a setback the Peter Chiarelli years have given that franchise, and uh, it's a sad it's a sad state of affairs for Connor McDavid. We want nothing more than the best player in the world to be on the biggest stage of the year. But Emily, I don't quite understand what 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 the path would be for the Oilers to make the playoffs. I got nothing. This is Patrick in Lake Orion, Michigan. Uh, what really grinds my gears so far, I know it's only preseason so far, but with the recent send-downs to the AHL, uh, Michael Rasmussen, Evgeny Sveshnikov, Phil Zadina, Mort Sider, and Joe Valeno, Detroit Red, Red Wings, it looks like Steve Eiserman is picking up exactly where Ken Holland left off. And I'm already starting to doubt the hashtag Iser plan. Trust the process and all that. I know it's early in the season, but I was, was really hoping a lot of these guys at least get a nine-game look, especially uh, Sveshnikov and Valeno. They played amazing in the preseason, I thought. And uh, right now with all of these roster jams, by signing Filpula uh, uh, again, it just looks like... Eiserman is taking one right from Ken Holland, and I'm already starting to doubt this process here. Oh, that man. was Ken Holland again, uh, disguising yeah. his voice. Ken Holland is really uh, lighting up our phone lines. Look, I, I understand your frustration. I don't think it's unfeasible to think some of these guys are going to get called up. In fact, I expect Mort Snyder at some point this year to get some looks. I, I think they're all going to get their nine games. Um, but, you know, you got to trust the process here, and this isn't a quick fix. They're not going to be com- – they're going to be more competitive this year, but they're not going to be fighting for a playoff spot. And you're going to be um, feeling good about yourself when they win that Stanley Cup again. There it is. How many years? Three. Oh, oh I believe right. in Iserman. The Iser plan is in effect. Um, yeah. Is he going to have uh, bionic legs at that point and rejoin yes. the team? Yes, we're all going to be with Elon Musk uh, making trips back and forth from the galaxy to the Stanley Cup final sites. I love it. Bionic legs for him, Datsuk, Zetterberg, and Lidstrom, and then and then let's go. Yeah. All right, that is a marathon edition of ESPN and Ice. We missed you all. Thank you so much for uh, participating in the show and, and asking for the show and 
hopefully sharing the show. Here's the deal. If you like what we do, please go to the iTunes, leave ratings, leave reviews. That's going to help people find the podcast um, and uh, boost us up in them old rankings that uh, that our, our, our overlords like to see. Uh, so please do that. Um, I am uh, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. You can find me on Twitter at Wyshynski, W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. You can listen to my other podcast, Puck Soup, where I make naughty language jokes. And thanks to my dog, Sneakers, for participating so um, uh, boisterously in the first segment and then uh, shutting her furry trap for the rest of the show. Aw, Sneaks. I'm Emily Kaplan at Emily M. Kaplan. This is my only podcast, so thanks for listening and bye. 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 This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.